Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome back into the Forced to Punt podcast. It's been a while. I'm Steven Serta. Joined as I am, at, always as I am, I, I guess I should say. Sorry, it's been a while. I'm rusty. Uh, but uh, rusty and joined by my guy Dusty. Likens, that is. Dusty, what's going on? Oh, nothing. Just going to act like I didn't hear that introduction and that it was <laughs> a... Uh... Normal introduction as always, because that was uh, quite rough for the first one back and over. Uh, what do we got here? About two and a half, almost three months since we've linked up, Serta. So yeah, it's it, it's been a little while. Uh, you know, as we rounded out the fantasy regular season, uh, we kind of tried to stay involved with you guys during the during the regular playoffs. Is there some fantasy stuff like that? Uh, but we t- we take a little time off every year uh, around this time of year to try to get ready for. For baseball, we're in the middle of the NCAA tournament, although this NCAA tournament schedule is awful, and I'm not excited about the fact that there's going to be games on Monday and Tuesday. I don't know why they pushed it back. They didn't change the national championship schedule. I don't know why the tournament schedule changed. Uh, so that's been annoying. But uh, what, what what's new, Dusty? What's going on? You know, just really what's new with me is that It becomes more and more interesting every single year that I watch football or follow football because March Madness or the, you know, the big tournament that happens every year for college basketball didn't happen last year. So you would think that a lot of people were eager for it and ready to do a bracket again and ready to be just all in for March and why we're doing this podcast and the reason we do this podcast is because we've been reached out long enough for many people that enjoy listening to us that have been successful hearing our points. And when the bracket was revealed on Sunday night, everything got trumped because NFL free agency this year, maybe to me, because it maybe wasn't as wild last year, was extremely wild this year. So I've had my eyes basically glued to Twitter, just Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, all these guys, and just Jay Glazer that just are all in on, on football. That's where I've been for about the last, oh, two and a half weeks. 
And prior to that, just watching everything I can when it comes to Bobby Witt highlight tapes, clips that I'm just going to have to wait until July because baseball's stupid and this is why football's more entertaining. Yeah, and the NFL, they've built this year-round powerhouse where we're all locked into free agency more than we are other sports that are actually playing games. But that's why the NFL's so much fun. It's bananas. Uh, yeah. And so that's where we kind of want to start today because uh, we've taken some time off. We want to try to get you guys caught up on free agency. Uh, maybe you haven't been able to follow it as closely as we do necessarily. And there's a lot of high-impact signings that have taken place that are going to kind of change the fantasy landscape. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson's got all of these uh, legal issues right now. Uh, I think it, the number was up to like 14 lawsuits last time I checked. It might be more. It seems like they're adding more every day. Uh, he's kind of up in the air as of right now. Uh, I, and I don't want to get into too much of the, of the legal aspect of it, but just in terms of fantasy value for a guy that was trying to demand a trade. And, and you know, a, a month ago we were ki- kind of all drooling over the idea of him going to like the 49ers or a team like that, or even the Dolphins, um, I I would assume none of that's going to happen now. Uh, You know, barring this stuff going away really quick, which I I, I doubt that it's going to, I think Deshaun Watson is an undraftable quarterback, assuming he's even going to be allowed to play next season. Yeah, it just kind of seems like it's one of those stories where, There's going to be that guy in your league or there's going to be that gal in your league that's going to say, you know what, maybe by week six everything gets dropped and it doesn't end up being on this dark path that it looks like it might be headed. Again, I'm like with Serta, I don't know enough uh, legal aspects of this case or these cases yet. I just know that the number is 14. Uh, The news stays the same every day, so I just had to take it day by day, but right now, very scary uh, story going on with that whole uh, those allegations and stuff like that. But the thing is, is that this is why we're here. This is why we do this, because five years ago, I wouldn't have known that Ryan Fitzpatrick might have been on the Washington football team until all of a sudden I'm drafting. And I'm going, oh, wait, I could have drafted a quarterback in the 14th, 15th round because Ryan Fitzpatrick went undrafted and Washington might have some actually dangerous weapons this year. So. Yeah, it's been an interesting free agency. I'm ready to get going, and and sir, I know you're ready, and fire away, my friend. Uh, and so I want to talk about Fitzmagic, actually, because he's That's why really, I set that up, because I knew you were excited. Yeah, and, and I am excited about it. Uh, he's really the only high-impact quarterback signing that we've seen where he's like, legitimately, he's not signing to be a backup. He is going to be the starter for Washington, and Washington's one of the more intriguing teams in the NFL. I, I think they can legitimately be the best team in the awful NFC East. And, you know, they made the playoffs last year with a sub-500 record. And Fitzmagic was signed to be the starter. He's 39 years old, but we know that he can still sling it. He can still get it done in fantasy when given the opportunity. He even did it last year for Miami with far inferior weapons to what he's going to be looking at in Washington, Terry McLaurin, one of the best, most underrated wide receivers in football. He he is an absolute stud. He is a number one. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be the most fantasy-friendly quarterback that he's played with so far in his career. And then you add Curtis Samuel, who was one of my favorite free agent wide receivers, one of the most underrated free agent wide receivers on the market. I really wanted the Chiefs to sign him. 
Uh, Curtis Samuel in Andy Reid's offense would have been unbelievable, but it didn't happen. He went to Washington, and they also have Antonio Gibson. Uh, Logan Thomas is a little old, but Logan Thomas is coming off a very nice, productive fantasy season for you know the garbage tight end position. On top of that, they have one of the best defenses in the NFL, and it was already one of the best defenses in the NFL before they went out and added more people to their secondary that was already one of the best secondaries in the league. Washington legitimately could be out of nowhere like an 11-win team next year with Fitzmagic as their starting quarterback. I like Washington a lot. And I know this sounds like we did this last year because we did, because Fitzpatrick was in Miami, and we told a lot of you last year to stack Miami's offense. You're welcome. Um, I'm sorry that their running back got hurt last year, but before that happened, Devontae Parker, Fitzpatrick, oh, man, they were gasking. Everybody was firing on all cylinders in Miami, and I'm not going to be one of these guys that's going to say, hey, I told you so again in you know, March about Washington. But that team is loaded, and they did exactly what Cleveland did. They went out and got weapons for a team that's got a pretty damn good defense. And, oh, by the way, these two receivers are going to be linked up next year, and Scary Terry and, and Samuel, they're boys. They grew up together, so there's a combination there that's really going to help. The other thing that's interesting about this is that Ryan Fitzpatrick is almost like the poor man's version of Tom Brady. Like, Tom Brady has nothing left to prove. He's won enough Super Bowls to put on – a family of eight kids. He's been to enough successful seasons. He's made enough money in his career. He just doesn't want to end it. The same thing can be said for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't have any huge accolades. He's just continuously played, and he's been productive ever since he's done it. And last year in Miami, it got a little juicy when him and Tua were sharing time, and people didn't really know what was going on because the future of your franchise looks pretty good. But you're letting this guy come out here that's just a journeyman that always puts up numbers. Well, now he's in Washington. You saw what Alex Smith could do in that team. Uh, he, I believe Alex Smith went like 5-2. and two. That team was a playoff team. They've got a great defense. And you've added some offensive weapons. And again, I'm not trying to put weapons and Fitzpatrick in the same sentence. But it just seems that everywhere he goes, success of the quarterback play follows when it comes to fantasy numbers. Yeah, he, he's just going to sling it, and we know we can rely on him to sling it. I, I am a little worried about Logan Thomas's value, but he shouldn't be a guy that you're drafting as, uh, you know, like a, a top 10 to 12 tight end, in my opinion, anyways. Uh, no. F- Fitzmagic has never really supported tight ends. Like, he's just, he's just a sling it, I am going to fling mm-hmm. this thing down the field. He's a wide receiver quarterback, and that's what he's always been. He hasn't reported. He hasn't supported a tight end, even going back to like his Buffalo days. Do you remember Fitzmagic playing for the Texans? I saw a highlight of him playing for the Texans a couple of days ago. I don't remember that at all because he's been on so many teams now. That had to have been like what two years before they signed Deshaun Watson. Exactly I, I, Deshaun. Yeah, it was somewhere in that. Uh, had homeboy Brian Hoyer. Uh, yeah. And they had Brian Hoyer, uh, Tom Savage, like somewhere, somewhere in between. Yeah, those those couple of years before they drafted Deshaun Watson. So he was in there with that Keenum Savage and all those guys. Yeah, like Keenum, maybe even the Brock Osweiler era. It was somewhere in oh there. My. Somewhere, somewhere in that in that travesty of quarterbacks. That all came after Matt Schaub. Yes. Oh man, you talk about a guy whose career like. 
lit up and then burned out immediately in about 17 weeks was Matt Schaub. And so the only other quarterback signing of note, and it's really not even of note, is uh, former Bears quarterback Mitch Trubisky signed with the Buffalo Bills to be a backup to Josh Allen. Uh, you know, Mitch needs some rehab work, I guess, if he ever wants to be a starter again in the NFL. I, I, I know Mitch was bad last year, but he was still better than Nick Foles. And I, I don't really understand why he's al- already been relegated to he is strictly a backup. He is not a starting caliber NFL quarterback when I don't think he's any worse than Nick Foles, who is likely going to be the starter for the Bears. Well, I mean, I don't think he has a lot of competition with the red rifle behind him as his backup quarterback. Yeah, Andy Dalton could also be the starter for the Bears. Yeah. So what you're saying is just stay away from everybody in Chicago this year on offense. Sorry it's not, for those. That, yeah. It's not great. It's not great. Not great for Allen Robinson. I uh, think Allen Robinson was pretty upset that he got franchised by Chicago and didn't get to test free. I just wouldn't play. I would I would just literally it's say just, I don't want to play mean, football with these in, guys. In a weird free agency year where the NFL lowered the cap, and teams were cutting guys that they might not otherwise cut. Like I think we saw that with the Chiefs. I think I don't think they would have cut both Eric Fisher and Mitchell Shorts if the cap had gone up instead of going down. I, I think if they had more money, they would have tried to hang on to one of them. And we've seen a lot of teams do that. And, and, and so I, I think a lot of these guys are just taking what they can get. Like you, you look at the even the running back market where we've seen a lot of guys go not – for really a, a lot of money, but there there are some impact signings on, on the running back market. Like, John Gruden, wh- I don't know what the hell he's doing in Vegas. I don't know if Vegas has already gotten to Gruden. Like, Gruden, mm. Gruden's just, you know, he was having problems with the mask, kept getting fined because he wasn't taking it seriously. He was letting players go to parties and stuff, and they weren't enforcing mask mandates. I, I feel like Vegas has already gotten to John because – this, his approach to this offseason last year when they said, oh, we're a playoff team, and then they just tanked in the second half of the season, his approach to this offseason was, I'm going to keep Derek Carr, and I'm going to blow up the offensive line for no reason, and I'm going to go give Kenyon Drake more money than I should give Kenyon Drake, even though I have Josh Jacobs. So for fantasy purposes, Kenyon Drake is going to be the third down pass catching back for the Las Vegas Raiders which completely caps Josh Jacobs' value and makes him a like late second to third round pick, in my mind. Josh Jacobs has no business going in the first round of your fantasy drafts next year. Yeah, very disappointing news. I brought this up last night on, our, uh, on, on Bing at Night as he was talking about this podcast and what our thoughts were with the Raiders, and my thoughts are almost mirror image to yours. I have no idea why you got rid of one of the best centers in football. It wasn't going to be that expensive. You blew up your offensive line. You got rid of, I think, three of your five starters. Now all of a sudden you have a quarterback who's already shaky, already has jello for knees, a running back whose main purpose is to run through the tackles three times out of four four times on the on the offensive play stand, and now you went out and got a guy in Kenyon Drake who is also injury-prone, who now is going to just strictly be a third-down, pass-catching running back, utility-style of running back, because they're not going to not give Josh Jacobs the ball. John Gruden is so old-school when it comes to football, he's going to run the ball 25 times a game. All 25 of those carries are going to go to Josh Jacobs. Here's the deal. 
Jacobs doesn't have that type of blowout speed where, like Derrick Henry, who's just a freak, so maybe that's not right. But like other running backs in the past that have been somewhat big, I guess you'd kind of compare it to like a Larry Johnson, who could break out a 65-yard run or a 35-yard touchdown run. Jacobs doesn't really do that. Josh Jacobs is going to get 25 carries. He's going to get three and a half to four yards a carry, and he's going to probably have a red zone touchdown. That's what he's going to do week in and week out, and I'm sorry, but for those of you that have already kind of officially never gone back to the standard league scoring that are for sure either half-point or full-point PPR, Josh Jacobs does not have first-round, let alone early second-round value. Josh Jacobs is a guy that if you went heavy wide receiver and you just need a consistency at running back, that's where Josh Jacob is now because I'm like you, man. Gruden's in Vegas, and uh, and he's gotten into some sort of juice. But honestly, Gruden's been gone since the Hooters days. Uh, it, it It's just very frustrating because, like, headed into last year, Josh Jacobs is a guy that we've seen it. Like, he's not the worst pass-catching running back in the NFL. He's not the best, but he's not awful at it. And he's got... He's never played a full 16-game season. Granted, he's only headed into year number three, and I do think Josh Jacobs is a talented player. He's rushed for over 1,000 yards in both of his seasons. He had 12 rushing touchdowns last year, which is promising. If you could add anything in the passing game, he could be a a late first, early second-round pick. The problem is, had 20 catches his rookie year, 33 catches last year, only went up 13 catches, never scored a receiving touchdown in his NFL career. And so there's going to be a cap with a running back like that. Like, I would much rather have J.K. Dobbins next year than Josh Jacobs. I would much rather have Cam Akers than Josh Jacobs. I would rather have Miles Sanders. I would rather have Joe Mixon. I Because all of these guys are going to be guys that I know are number one running backs. Like, J.K. Dobbins had the frustrating rookie year with the Ravens, and Gus Edwards is still going to be there, but they let Mark Ingram go. J.K. Dobbins is is clearly the more talented player who can be an every-down back for the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to use multiple backs. That's just the way they do things, and Lamar's going to take some carries away. But Dobbins is a guy with all kinds of upside. I would rather have Antonio Gibson. I would rather have Austin Eckler. Like, there's just... Tons of guys I would much rather have over Josh Jacobs because he's never going to supply you with a receiving floor at all. Like It's just not going to be something that he's going to be involved in, and it's frustrating for a guy that you took in the first round. If you took him in the first round, you should believe that he can be Ezekiel Elliott, that he can be Saquon Barkley or, or, or Dalvin Cook or Christian McCaffrey. And that's just not how Gruden's choosing to operate, and 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 it's really frustrating. Like I would, I'd make the argument that David Montgomery, Chris Carson, James Robinson, Clyde, DeAndre Swift, all guys that you could argue you should take over Josh Jacobs, in my opinion. Yeah, a lot of those second year guys next year, you're definitely take. And the thing about just to go back on J.K. Dobbins, just a tad, is. It took the Ravens, I think, sort of 13 or 14 weeks to really realize, like, oh, wow, if we give this guy the ball, we're a little bit more successful on offense. And the Ravens' offense kind of took a little bit of a step forward towards the last three or four weeks of the season when they started to give J.K. Dobbins a bigger role. Um, but I'm like you. I just, if I'm drafting a team, one, I don't draft any Raiders unless maybe 
Uh, it's Henry Ruggs coming back for his second season and Darren Waller. But other than that, I, I wouldn't really draft anybody on their offense. That offensive line scares me. Derek Carr scares me. And it's almost like, I don't know, Crazy Gruden is trying to have Derek Carr fail miserably so then he can go get his own quarterback and start from scratch and just be like, look how bad last year was. That's yeah, my personal but opinion. I, I mean, that was what the Khalil Mack trade was supposed to be about. And you didn't do anything with it. You literally did nothing with it. The three first-round picks that you got out of that have not really amounted to anything in the NFL. Like, Josh Jacobs, fine player. He, In my opinion, he's not one of the ten best running backs in the NFL right now. Cleland Farrell's not one of the ten best pass rushers in the NFL. Jonathan Abrams, not one of the best safeties in the NFL. Like, he just has not done a, a good job, and it should be frustrating for Raiders fans, and it should be frustrating for fantasy owners. Um, so, someone that I am excited about, and I just mentioned him, is Chris Carson. We weren't sure. He was a free agent. Uh, he did not test the market. He wound up signing a two-year deal to go back to Seattle. And it doesn't sound like Seattle's going to trade Russell Wilson, so that should be good for everybody involved, as if there should have ever been a thought that they were going to trade Russell Wilson. But uh, Chris Carson going back to Seattle, he's going to be the lead back. They gave him a little bit of money. He got a little bit of security over the next two years. And when he's on the field, he is the best running back that they have. And he had some injuries last year, which is what he struggled with over his his entire career. But he put up numbers last season when he was on the field. He produced, and he was a fantasy asset. So I, I'm excited that Chris Carson is headed back to Seattle. I, uh, I am excited for Chris Carson. The reason why is because that offense has a lot to prove to a lot of people this year. And I'm not saying that I put my trust into uh, Pete Carroll being an offensive genius, but I understand that this will now be year three with DK. This will be like year nine with, uh, with Tyler Lockett. And Chris Carson now has security, and so does that offensive, uh, that offensive weapon or whatever that offense is going to be that was so explosive um, early in the season last year when it came to fantasy numbers. Russell Wilson was the MVP candidate going into probably like week six or seven. DK Metcalf was putting up numbers at wide receiver that really, honestly, no one expected, including myself, even though I drafted DK Metcalf in the second round last year. That's how good I thought he could be. I didn't know he was going to even be that much better. Obviously, he took a little bit of a setback towards the end of the season. I actually watched that show that's uh, with Brandon Marshall, and Brandon Marshall had asked him, like, why did your offense, like, take a step back? And he was just like, well, I think people started to figure us out. We didn't make a change. And then you go into this offseason where Russell Russell Wilson is linked to the Bears or linked to the Niners or maybe the Raiders even were in that conversation. And then now all of a sudden it's like not going anywhere. It was just a whole bunch of smoke. Maybe Seattle figures it out. But, yeah, Chris Carson had a very good year last year. And now that he's the main guy and they have that offense that they can kind of build around, they know where their weapons are at, they know what their weapons can be used for at the best point of success when it comes to running the ball and passing the ball, I like Chris Carson a lot. He's one of those guys, Serta, that, yeah, I would take Carson over over Josh Jacobs. And I think this is probably the most underrated free agent signing anywhere across the board, across the NFL. Mike Davis, former Carolina Panther running back who became a huge fantasy asset last year when Christian McCaffrey got hurt, signed a two-year deal with the Atlanta Falcons. He's the best running back Atlanta's had in a while. Their, their backfield was a disaster last year. They brought in Todd Gurley to see if he had anything left. Doesn't look like he has anything left. 
Uh, Todd Gurley is a free agent right now, and I don't know if he's going to be on a roster this year. I, I don't think Todd Gurley's going to get signed. Uh, you know, Edo Smith's just not the guy. And I'm not saying Mike Davis is like a superstar caliber running back, but he had over 1,000 total yards and eight touchdowns last year. And, you know, those aren't Christian McCaffrey numbers, but he filled in admirably in a, a very running back friendly offense for the Panthers. And Atlanta's not necessarily the most fantasy-friendly run, uh, running back offense because they like to pass a lot, but he's a very good pass-catching back, and he's going to be involved in the passing game a lot there in Atlanta, and he's he's going to have an opportunity to be the clear-cut number one running back. Mike Davis is a, is a guy that needs to be drafted, and he's a guy that could have legitimate fantasy value in a weekly lineup next season with the Atlanta Falcons. It's a, it's a, it's a perfect spot for a guy like Mike Davis to get playing time. Coming from a guy who had to literally go out and trade for a guy named Mike Davis last year because I drafted Christian McCaffrey number one overall, I can honestly tell you that, you know, if you take Mike Davis out of the role that he's supposed to put up some sort of Christian McCaffrey number because he plays in Carolina, you're going to be a little bit more pleased than I was when I think, okay, I just need Mike Davis to... Because the projections for Mike Davis last year in most leagues were never really met like there was a lot of games where he was projected like 23 24 points that's a lot of numbers for mike davis mike davis isn't that type of running back but he can be a solid like 17 to 20 points per week in atlanta because if there's anything we saw last year is atlanta's not good on defense they didn't really improve that much on defense they seem like they're going to basically have the same team because matt ryan said that team could make the playoffs they just had a you know, horrific start because they were just trying to get their head coach out of the door. But he could put up some numbers in Atlanta, and he's a guy that I would seriously think about drafting as like almost a sleeper. I don't know if that's a disrespectful term to give Mike Davis, but I would consider him a very heavy sleeper in this year's fantasy football draft because, again, running back positions go quick, the big names go, and then people tend to jump away. And that's when the names like Mike Davis are around where you're like, ooh, I got Mike Davis in the sixth, I got Mike Davis in the seventh when everybody was going and drafting all their main roster guys, and then here's a guy that can be your flex or a, a solid fill-in when it comes to certain matchups, and he's putting up 17, 18, maybe 20 points a week when he's in that Atlanta office. Yeah, and, the, you know, this could change if the Falcons wind up drafting a running back or, or, or something like that. You know, we're still a few weeks away from – the NFL draft. So a lot of this stuff could change uh, depending on how these teams decide to go uh, into the NFL draft and who they decide to se- to select. But yeah, I-, I think Mike Davis, if you know, I think he's a perfect, if you want to go zero running back draft strategy and, and wait on running backs and kind of try to take like a committee approach. I think Mike Davis is a perfect guy for that. Assuming they don't draft a, a high end running back, in Atlanta, and they could still do that. There's a lot of talented running backs in this year's class. Um, the last running back I want to get to really quick before we move on to the uh, wide receivers, um, it's kind of a low-impact signing, I think, if you're not really paying attention, but it's got a lot of fantasy implications. The Indianapolis Colts decided to bring back Marlon Mack on a one-year, $2 million deal. And Marlon Mack, I've always kind of been a Marlon Mack truther. I feel like he's better then people give him credit for, and I feel like people should should recognize how talented he is. But, you know, they did draft Jonathan Taylor last year, and we saw it down the second half of the season. They want Jonathan Taylor to be their lead back. Jonathan Taylor 
really came on. He kind of struggled to get acclimated to the NFL early on in the season, but really turned it on down the stretch and looked like he could be a, a legitimate RB1. The problem with bringing back Marlon Mack, and, and it's what really worries me for Jonathan Taylor, because now I think you have to really question how soon you're you're willing to 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 draft Jonathan Taylor in your fantasy leagues because Marlon Mack prior to last season, you know, he was their lead back in 2019. He had over a thousand yards, had eight touchdowns. Now he only had 14 receptions for 82 yards that year. The year before that, he had 908 rushing yards, nine touchdowns, only had 17 catches for 103 yards. So if you think, well, they signed Marlon Mack back to be a pass-catching back. Because if you remember last season, he only had four carries for 26 yards, three catches for 30 yards. All of that happened in one game, and he tore his Achilles and was done for the season. And, and so if you're thinking that they signed him to be the pass-catching back, well, they have Neheim Hines for that, who was still involved even when Jonathan Taylor was the lead back. And they did kind of start mixing Taylor into the receiving game a little bit more as the season went on. So there's still upside there, but Frank Reich has used multiple backs going all the way back to his days in Philadelphia. Now, they got Carson Wentz back, and and that was a trade, not a free agent move. I know we didn't really talk about that. We can get to that on a different podcast. I don't feel like talking about Carson Wentz in depth. Um, But the Colts like to use multiple backs. That's how they did it in Philadelphia when Frank Reich was there, and that's how he's done it so far in his career. So I have legitimate worries right now about Jonathan Taylor just being the clear cut every down back. I think they brought Marlon Mack back for a reason, and I think it's because they're gonna use him. And I and I think that and I think Neheim Hines is still going to be involved in the passing game here and there. You know, if I if I'm gonna read into, you know, his microscopic sample size from twenty twenty the fact that he got three catches in one game before tearing his Achilles is probably above his per-game reception average for his entire career. So maybe if that worked its way out into an entire season, maybe they were trying to make Marlon Mack a receiving back. But nothing in his three years prior to that suggests that he was going to be involved in the passing game heavily. So I have a couple concerns here. One, I think that you're letting yourself get way too methodical when it comes to thinking about Marlon Mack. I don't know when you decided to have this open relationship with him, but it's been about two and a half years now, Serta. So I, I had him in multiple thing, fantasy leagues. I understand that, and I know that you are a huge fanboy of Marlon Mack. You oh, have been in 2019. He was a good player for me. He he, he you, helped me get you, to the to the playoffs. Hey. Look, man, I understand. Like, I have players that I was connected to because of what they were in my life, and, and I had to let them go. And and I can tell you right now, the only reason the Colts have Marlon Mack on their roster is because they knew the number. They knew what number they could give him to keep him in Indianapolis where he wouldn't test the market, he knows their system, and he can still be a mentor to Mister uh, uh, to the young man that they drafted last year. I don't know why his name just went blank to me. Jonathan Taylor. And so... I can tell you right now, Marlon Mack will not have a lot of impact in that offense. That is the Jonathan Taylor show because it was the Jonathan Taylor show in the last four weeks of the season. Indianapolis was pretty successful in the last four weeks of the season, although they were successful a lot last year, even though Phillip Rivers and the noodle arm was there all year. The thing about it is Jonathan Taylor's not going anywhere. 
The numbers for him aren't going anywhere. In fact, they're going to increase. And I think Jonathan Taylor is a high second round pick this year. I think he's going to be a first round pick. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I think. Fair. I think second round is is late. I, I and I, I like Jonathan Taylor. I think he's a talented player. I just think that people are going to look at him like he is a clear cut number one running back. And I'm still not convinced that Frank Reich is going to use some type of committee because that's what he's always done aside from the season where Marlon Mack was the lead back, but it's because they just didn't really have a lot of bodies that year. He used four running backs the Super Bowl year in Philadelphia. And so I'm afraid that's what we're looking at, but I understand you wanting to get the upside of Jonathan Taylor behind that offensive line with a new quarterback. You expect them to be improved a little bit. You know, they were a playoff team last year. You expect Carson Wentz to maybe get things figured out again and maybe look like He's a decent NFL quarterback. Um, I'm just worried. But let's get to the wide receivers before we get out of here. Kenny Galladay, uh, biggest name, free agent, wide receiver, signed a massive four-year, $72 million deal with the New York Giants. All of a sudden, that Giants offense looking pretty nice for fantasy. They also went heavy uh, in the defensive department in free agency. The Giants are trying to load up. They're trying to see what they have in Daniel Jones. And they think that the NFC East is weak right now, which you could probably make the argument for. Although I think with a healthy Dak in Dallas back next year, they're going to be a postseason contender. Washington's getting better. The division's just getting tougher. And Daniel Jones, while he's not an elite quarterback or anything like that, he has shown that he can make some plays in the NFL. He can be an effective NFL quarterback at times, especially in fantasy, because he provides a lot with his legs. Kenny Galladay is a very talented wide receiver. You add in... Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, talented third-year wide receiver. Uh, Evan Ingram, if you've got any faith left in him, I don't. I'm not drafting Evan Ingram anywhere. But then a health, healthy Saquon Barkley. And the Giants offense has a lot of weapons. Like th- This is an opportunity where if Daniel Jones can't get it done with this offense, then Daniel Jones just isn't your guy. I couldn't agree more. This is probably the one thing other than Washington that I really wanted to talk about. Because I'm not going to give them the benefit of what it was last year in Dallas, but I'm like you. I think that the Giants are going to load up that offense because this is this is it for Daniel Jones. You got to put up numbers. You got to prove that you can make it in this league. Got to prove it that you can be their quarterback. We've seen signs of it. We've seen glimpse of what Daniel Jones might be able to show us in the NFL. And, yeah, you add that roster that has Saquon Barkley coming back this year. Evan Ingram has to make it this year. He has to prove it that he's supposed to be that tight end they drafted. I'm like, you, I steer clear of it unless I don't have a tight end and it's towards the end of the draft. And somehow he's still available. But Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Kenny Galladay, that's a hell of a threesome out there for receivers for the Giants. That gives Daniel Jones plenty of target options. Plus, you have the return of Saquon Barkley. I'm not saying that this offense can do what this offense did last year when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys in the first four weeks of the season, but the Giants are going to put up some numbers because I know a lot of people talk a lot of you-know-what on Jason Garrett, but I feel like Jason Garrett is a good offensive mind. He's going to get guys in the right position. He had a decent offense in Dallas. The Giants could put up some sneaky numbers, and I know last year we told you to stack the Dolphins stack this year on Washington. There's some guys in, in New York that there's going to be a lot of throws being made and a lot of passes that be caught, and there's a lot of trustworthy receivers in that offense. 
Oh, and also, you know, looking at the other New York team, the New York Jets, uh, they signed Corey Davis to a three-year, $37.5 million contract. Uh, did they sign? They didn't sign Flacco. I thought Flacco went to the Jets. No, oh, he played for the Jets last year. He signed with somebody else yesterday. I don't. That's remember. right. Okay, bye. I don't, I don't remember who. It was uh, the Eagles. Joe Flacco That's is right. an Eagle now. Uh, but the Jets did sign Corey Davis. They also signed Keelan Cole. Um, Keelan Cole had a couple of good games last year for the for the Jags, but I, I don't think that he's a guy. He's just on a cheap one year deal. I don't think he's a guy you got to worry about. Uh, I'm more interested. For the Jets, you know, are they going to ride with Sam Darnold? Or are they going to go get Justin Fields or or Zach Wilson or, or Trey Lance? We assume Trevor Lawrence is going to be off the board at number two. Um, Corey Davis is not a wide receiver that I'm going to draft as like a, a, a number one or a number two wide receiver. If he's your number three, I think you can feel okay about it. But he's really a guy that I'd just like to add for depth because – I know he had a good year last year. I just don't trust Corey Davis because we haven't seen a large enough sample size of it. But the Jets are intriguing. They, they, they've they made some good free agency moves. They've got draft capital to go get a quarterback. I do think Denzel Mims is an intriguing second-year wide receiver. Uh, I still think that Chris Herndon can turn this thing around uh, w- with the right coach, and they finally got Adam Gase out of there. I think the Jets are doing some intriguing stuff, and I think they've had a pretty good offseason to, to put themselves in a position to be a better football team this year. I feel like Chris Herndon's in that class with Marlon Mack, him and David Njoku and all your guys that you just hold out hope for. I um, gave up on Njoku. Okay, so he's out. Um, yeah, I'm like you. I think that there's a possibility that the Jets still have a lot of moves to make, even though they have a uh, um, quarterback already there that they could have as a future quarterback in Sam Darnold. But there was a lot of people last year when the Jets were going 0-13, 0-14, that, you know, that I trust. And I, I listened to what they had to say about football, and they were like, don't worry about the Jets. They've got good people in good positions when it comes to upper management and all this type of stuff. Obviously, Adam Gase wasn't the answer, but... When you're trying to get a top draft pick, you might as well, you know, as Jay Binkley says, embrace the suck and just be bad so you can solidify that you'll have a top two pick. That's exactly what they did. Do they go quarterback with it? I think that we could probably put the trade for Deshaun Watson to bed, at least for now. But um, I'm like you. I think Chris Carson holds kind of the same value as a guy like Robbie Anderson did last year. Robbie Anderson goes to Carolina. You don't really know what he's going to do. Has a pretty decent year, but I wouldn't draft him, you know, I wouldn't put a focus or a flag on Chris Carson, not Chris Carson, on, um, why do I keep forgetting people's names? Chris Herndon? Chris Not Chris Herndon, the, Corey Davis. I wouldn't put a high thing on Corey Davis. I would keep him in the same kind of field as, as Robbie Anderson was last year when he left the team, went to a new team, and had potential to put up big numbers, but I don't think they're going to be huge numbers or anything worth drafting him like you. Uh, Corey Davis, like a third round, third overall receiver on your roster if you're deep in wide receiver. And we already discussed Curtis Samuel a little bit. I, I think Curtis Samuel is going to be like a uh, like a top thirty five wide receiver for me. He's going to be a guy that I probably target in a, in a lot of drafts because I think you can get him in a good value. Uh, the New England Patriots. I'm just going to avoid their offense like I try to do pretty much every year. 
Uh, I, I guess you could talk me into maybe Jonu Smith or Hunter Henry, although they could wind up canceling each other's fantasy value out. And the Patriots way overspent on Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. Uh, I, I'm not going to target any of those guys as uh, a fantasy asset in any way in a low-volume passing offense, uh, especially after the year Cam Newton had last year where I think he th- only threw like eight passing touchdowns and had more interceptions. Yeah, I don't know what the tight end scenario is in New England. I don't know if Belichick's trying to run that old type of scheme that he ran when he had Hernandez and Gronkowski. Now, obviously, both those guys are all pro tight ends. Or I think that's what he's trying to do. What's up? I think that's what he's trying to do. I think he's trying to yeah. run that offense back. And I think that's what he's – exactly. I think that's what he's trying to, like, mimic. He's trying to have two tight ends – run him up the middle. He knows Cam's not going to throw the ball deep, so you just run a bunch of misdirection, screens, um, cross patterns over the middle, and just run it through the tight end. So I'm like you. Those guys obviously aren't uh, the talent level that the previous two were that ran that offense. These two guys cancel each other out. Look, Gianna Smith had a lot of touchdowns last year, but that was basically all he did was catch touchdowns within the five-yard line and didn't really have a lot of explosive games. Hunter Henry I just can't trust. And I'm like you, I don't trust that New England offense. Will Fuller signed a one-year deal with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you know, the Dolphins have made some moves to to try to get better. They haven't had another running back. They could still draft one. Um, if they don't draft one, I think they've got more faith than we're giving credence to in Miles Gaskin. I, I think that they like him. I think that they think he's a talented running back. I've still seen a lot of people project them to draft a running back. I would like to see them draft another running back because I don't think Miles Gaskin is necessarily the dude. Uh, but Will Fuller is the best wide receiver that the Dolphins have now. They they still have Devontae Parker. They're going to have Preston Williams back, uh, who who's shown a little bit of something, but through two seasons, haven't seen enough in, in Preston Williams to, to think that he's going to be a high-impact player uh, with any type of consistency. If Will Fuller stays on the field, Will Fuller's one of the best deep threats in football. And, and so... If they're going to wait and try, if they're going to stick with Tua and not take a quarterback, which I think they should still take a quarterback probably, but if they're going to stick with Tua, if he can't hit Will Fuller deep down the sidelines, then there's just not that many guys in the NFL that he can hit deep uh, uh, for for long touchdowns. And that's what you got to do to score sometimes in the NFL these days. Perfect example of what uh, Will Fuller can do in Miami is Tua's best attribute is the deep ball. Will Fuller's best attribute is catching the deep ball. Hence, that's what they're going to try to do with Will Fuller and Tua is just connect on home runs. I dig it. I don't know if I want to draft Will Fuller. I know he's one of those guys that tends to be a free agency pickup throughout the season. Some guys keep him for two to three weeks, then drop him, then somebody picks him up. He's just strictly like a matchup guy. If they're going to play a secondary that has a lot of – a lot of blank spots in it where they can get open. Then, you know, if he's available, then pick him up. I don't think he's worth rostering for a full year. I get it. I, I agree with you. I think he's the best receiver on that roster. But, again, misses a few games to start the season. Inconsistency has always been a play in his career. And then you're throwing him in there with the second year, basically a first-year starter quarterback in Tua, who only played a handful of games last year. And a little bit of breaking news the Baltimore Ravens have said that their visit with Sammy Watkins, former Chiefs receiver, went very well. So Sammy Watkins yeah. maybe, possibly, mm. could be 
signing with the Baltimore Ravens as another one of those free agency wide receivers out there. Yeah, I'd also still clear from. I would not have Samuel. Yeah, Watkins that on my that roster. that doesn't do anything for me. And, and I disagree with you about Will Fuller being inconsistent. I think that Will Fuller's been very consistent when he's been on the field. Uh, it's just been a matter of him staying on the field. And last year he got popped for steroids, so he is going to miss a game to start the season. Um, if doing steroids keeps Will Fuller on the field, I think you should just let Will Fuller do steroids because okay, f- f- football's do. better when Will Fuller's on the field. Uh, before we get out of here, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, decided to go back on a one-year deal to the Pittsburgh Steelers instead of taking more money to go to the Chiefs or Ravens. Um, you know, I would have been intrigued by him landing on the Chiefs uh, just because they do need that other option. But Juju is pretty much exclusively a slot-wide receiver, and the Chiefs like to put Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey in the slot, and they put them both outside. They move those guys around a lot. Juju's pretty much only ever exclusively played slot, so I don't know why the Chiefs would have been so interested in him because they like their guys to move around quite a bit. Um, It's a terrible move for Juju. I think that he is the third-best wide receiver on his team. I I would draft Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster next year. I I just don't know. And he's coming off of a decent fantasy season. I, I just think that... The ceilings for Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson are much higher than they are for Juju Smith-Schuster at this point. And it's not like Juju's really old. He's only 25 years old. I I just think over the last couple of years, what we've seen out of him, he had an injury-plagued season, and last year he he was up and down. Um, I I just think that Johnson and Claypool provide much more upside in your fantasy lineups. I think Claypool's the guy you go draft in Pittsburgh. I think he just has the biggest upside. He's... A freak athlete, he's like basically compared to Megatron in his combine. He just has a fast 40, he's gigantic of a human being and can just go get it. Plus, he had nine touchdowns last year and a limited supply of offensive uh, showing. Deontay Johnson, the drops worry me. In fact, he got benched last year because he kept dropping the ball so much. But I'm like you. I think that Juju is limited. I think Juju has reached his ceiling. I think we've seen what Juju can be and what he can do. I don't think there's any more to expect from Juju Smith-Schuster. And if I had a theory on why he didn't come to the Kansas City Chiefs, it's because it's ego. I don't think that he's an egomaniac. I like Juju Smith-Schuster. I just think that when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs, if he's going to play offense here, he's not really going to be the third option every time. Option number one is always going to be Hill or Kelsey, and the option number two is going to be the default of the one you didn't choose previous. And then your third option's probably going to be most of the time a running back because that's the way the offense runs. So I think there's a little bit of that when it comes involved, when it, when it is with Juju Smith-Schuster. Get paid a little bit more, but don't play or be as big of a player that you can be in Pittsburgh. But reality is the truth. Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool are coming, and Juju Smith-Schuster isn't really getting any better than he already has been in the past. So... Kind of an interesting debate there for Juju Smith-Schuster on where you decide to if you draft him uh, out of Pittsburgh. Plus, Big Roethlisberger is still there, and who knows what he's going to do this year. Yeah, I feel like we can definitively say that Roethlisberger is just going to be worse. Like, he's (laughs) over the last couple of years, he is just, every time he's on the football field, he basically looks worse. 100%. Um, He's just not aging gracefully. Uh, So it was a bad move for Juju Smith-Schuster, but... It's going back to Pittsburgh, so draft him at your own peril. Uh, thank you guys for listening to the Force to Punt podcast. Please download the Radio.com app, like, and subscribe to all of our content. We will be back soon. We're going to start to try 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 to get back in a rhythm again. 
uh, get into some more moves, get ready for the NFL draft, start projecting some dynasty players, we things like that. So we'll talk to you guys again soon. We are back.